You know, you don't become a superhero by, by just sitting around. You know, you've got to actually be proactive and make some decisions. Your life's going to count for something. Isn't that right? And uh, before, long before anyone appears on the scene of life uh, with greatness around their life, there was greatness developed in secret. Long before anyone appears and becomes famous in life, there was always greatness developed in secret. And it's the in-secret part that we don't realize and understand. It's the developing the inner life that can make us great in the stage of life. And most people don't realize just that behind uh, every person that's ever made it some way or had an influence or an impact, behind their life there was a whole work of development. There was a whole work that went on within them. And sometimes it was over the whole course of their life for this to happen. And uh, we wanted to look at it and a little, let the Holy Ghost help us develop our inward life. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, I want you to open your Bible with me. We're going to, I want to share some bullet put on my heart for tonight. I thought I'm going to stick with the Father's Day theme tonight because I want to just uh, open up some. I want you to look with me in John chapter 14. And I want to just continue to focus just on Father's Day and not so much on fathers themselves. I want to talk about the whole issue of your internal attitudes because if you want to produce something that's different to the generation that we live in, you have to change the way you think and live and act and the attitudes on the inside. And I want to share with you something from the Word of God that will help you and change you. If you will apply this in your life, I can guarantee you many things in your life are going to shift and change just on the basis of applying this that we're going to talk about shortly. And I want you to have a look with me just in uh, John chapter 14. And I will just pick it up here first of all, uh, just to introduce it. And Jesus said this. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 6, no man comes to the Father but by me. And in verse 9, when Philip is asking, well, show us the Father. Show us God the Father. We want to know what he's like. And Jesus said, have you been with me all this time and you don't realize if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you see Jesus Christ, if you see what he's like in the way he teaches, the way he conducts his life, the way he related to people, then you've seen what God is like. You've seen what our Father in heaven is like. He said, don't you realize in verse 10, he says, do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? The words I speak, I speak not from myself, but the Father who dwells in me does these things. Jesus came to reveal to us what God is like. You have to see in all the works of Jesus, he came not only to expose the works of the devil and destroy the works of the devil, but he came actually to reveal what God is like. He came so you and I could have a relationship with God. I can always tell where people are if I listen to the way they talk. Out of the heart, you'll talk. So if you listen to a person praying, you will hear where they are with God. You hear a person praying, you'll hear where they stand with God. Very, very easy. They're either close or far off. And Jesus uh, taught us, you know, the disciples came and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us how to have a relationship with the Father. And he he, he said this in Luke chapter, uh, I think, 11, verse 2. He said, this is how you pray. You don't pray God. God is someone impersonal a long way off. You pray Father because it implies there's a relationship. Because God wants you to have a relationship where you know him as Father, where he provides for you, he watches over you, he parts destiny to you, he puts encouragement into your heart and life, and you live to actually advance his interests. Because in the Bible, fathers and sons, they usually worked on a family business. In fact, the word son in the Bible means a builder of the family name. It's the word Ben. You have Ben-Hur, that's the son of her. Ben. Ben is the word for son. A son is a builder of the family name. So if you want to be a son of God, if you want to be a child of God, a son of God, that means you become a builder of God's name. You become a builder of what God is like. You begin to make God known in the earth. That's why when people call themselves Christians but aren't followers of Jesus Christ, they misrepresent who God is like. We're called to represent God and advance his interests. And to do that, you have to have relationship. Not just someone who does what God says, but someone who understands and connects with God as a father. And so Jesus said, this is how I want you to connect with God as a father. Now, this is different to every other religion in the world. There's no religion in the world where you connect with God father in a personal father-son, father-daughter relationship like this. So Jesus uh, taught us that, we, that we're called to have a relationship. Now, I listen to a lot of people pray. Now, they'll pray to Jesus. Dear Jesus, help me do this. Help me do that. And I listen to see if I hear among any of them, Father. I remember one time uh, I was in a meeting some years ago, and uh, the pastor that I was, uh, that was one of the first pastors in my life, and I heard him worshiping, and I heard him calling God Father. And it just deeply impacted me. 
to be connected to someone who had an intimate relationship with God as a father. There was something about it that just touched my heart. You know, men usually are pretty staunch and they don't lift their hands, they don't want to weep, don't want to do anything really that might be emotional. But to hear someone, a man, unashamedly worshipping God as father, it really deeply impacted me. And I just felt inspired. I need to know God in that kind of way too. I need to know him as father. I need to know him in a personal way. And that's what you want to do too. God wants to cause you to that. But if we're going to relate to our father in heaven, then what we need to do is also recognize that conflicts that are unresolved with the father in the earth will open the way for difficulties in that relationship. Some of you here tonight, there are some young people here tonight, you've got unresolved conflict in your heart. And I want to talk to you about how to recognize it, the consequences of it, and how to deal with it, so that we actually become free to call God Father and begin to worship Him as Father. The Father seeks us to worship Him in spirit and truth. From the heart, just be able to call Him Father without feeling like there's a block. Most people, when they say the word Father, something in their heart blocks. So it's easy to say, oh, Jesus or God. But but we're called to relate to Him as Father. And so we need to be clean in our heart from projecting onto God things we learned or got disappointed in in life so that we can't come near to God as Father. I want us to have a look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 2 in the first couple of verses. The Bible talks about an end-time generation. I wonder if you recognize this generation. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I got the verse written on my notes wrong there. See if you can change that. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and uh, verse 1 through to verse 3. We'll read it right through to verse 5. Now, know this, that in the last days, very dangerous times will come. So how many know, we, even if we're not in the last days right now, we're a bit closer than they were when they wrote this. Okay, so we're pretty a lot closer. We're 2,000 years closer than when they wrote this down. So notice, it says now, notice this, that in the last days, there will be some very dangerous, troublesome, difficult times come in the earth. And what it is, is it begins to describe what people will be like. We tend to think of dangerous times just in terms of, you know, things outside and uh, conflicts and things like that. But the dangerous times really have to do with the conditions of man's heart. Notice what it tells us people will be like. For men, men will be, that includes women, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Men shall be, people will be selfish. The end times, people will be selfish. Covetous, wanting more, boasting, proud, blasphemous. Now look at these. These are the ones I'm going to pick up. Disobedient to parents. Ungrateful unholy, without natural family affections. Look at that lot there. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, and no natural family affection. In other words, a total breakdown in family relationships. And then he goes on, it says that they will be uh, uh, um, truce breakers, or they break their word, they accuse people, they're fierce, despisers of those that are good, Traitors, or they betray relationships, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. But look at this, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Now, let's just put it very quickly. It says It's basically saying in the last days, it'll be very, very difficult in the earth because there will be people who are very religious, people who go to church, people who have the appearance of being godly, but there's no power in their life. And the reason there's no power in their life is because what's operating in their life, in their heart, they're disconnected by their lifestyle from the power of God. And if you haven't got the power of God operating in your life, you can't live out the life of God, so you've got to put on an act and you've got to pretend to be something you're not. So he said in the last days, people will be religious Religious. That means they go to church, read their Bible, pray, say they love God, call themselves Christians, but their inner attitudes and lifestyle will reflect different qualities. Selfishness. Now notice, I want to pick up the ones related to family. Notice this, disobedience. A certain kind of people with their relationship with their parents. Disobedient to parents. Ungrateful, again, in the context of family, for what their family has done, and no feeling of bonding or connection in the family. Now, doesn't that describe today's generation? Doesn't that describe the world we live in now? You look around, now young people, you look around and have a look around in your class at some of the kids you know and some of the people you know there and, and some of them who are your friends that you talk with now. How many of you could recognize that many of them are really selfish, wrapped up in themselves, they've got issues with their parents, there's no bonding in the family life, and they're just basically ungrateful? How many of you know people like that? How many, a lot of you know people like that, see? And the Bible says this is one of the conditions of the last days. 
It says it'll make it dangerous times because the worst part of it is they call themselves Christians, but actually in their lifestyle, they deny God and resist God's power working in their life. So if we want the power of God to work in our life, we have to ensure that we don't operate in that kind of way. I want you to go with me and have a look because in Proverbs, it tells us about this too. Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. We're going to stay in Proverbs for a bit. There's wonderful things in Proverbs 30. Proverbs chapter 30, look what it says here. In verse 11 through to verse uh, 14. Through to verse 11 through to verse 14. Again, it's talking about an end time generation. And uh, it says, There is a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet they're not washed from their dirt. There is a generation, they're very proud in their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords and their jaw teeth like knives. They devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. In other words, saying there is a generation that can't see anything wrong with the way they live their life. In their own eyes, they're right. He said, in the last days, there will be a generation, and it talks about it. It talks about several aspects of what they're like. One is, they look, and there's nothing wrong with me. You know, you're the one who's got the problem. I'm all right. But it says, it talks about certain issues related to their family. It says this. It says, they curse their father and do not bless their mother. You notice, they curse their father. There's a bitterness. There's a speaking negatively. There's the same words against their father. Call, you know, belittling him, calling him an old man, call him blah, blah, blah. See, there's actually an act of speaking against them. And it says, concerning their mother, they just fail to actually speak words of value and love and life. So it says there's an attitude against their father, and there's just a neglect of their mother. It talks about that as the last time. And this is what it says. And it says in their own eyes, they look and seem right. They think there's nothing wrong with this. Everyone else is doing it. Why should this be different to anyone else? I'm no different to anyone else. But it says, but the Bible says they're not washed from their filth. In other words, when people have conflicts, attitudes against their parents, when there's a bitterness that overflows out of the heart towards a father and a neglect of a mother, then we are in a condition where our lives are defiled. And I want to show you some things here. The Bible makes it very clear. You can position yourself for blessing or for cursing. And I want to just show you a couple of verses that will demonstrate for you what God promises to those who will adopt a good attitude towards their parents and act in a way which is godly towards them. And what happens when we refuse that, there are certain things that the Bible makes absolutely clear will happen. You say, well, you know, everyone's like this, you know, and, and so said, listen, no, not everyone's like that. I'm not like that. And there's other people here who are not like that. And the Bible says there are people who enjoy walking in God's blessing who are not like that. We're like we are by choices. So we need to change our choices. Notice what it tells us. I want to show you some God's blessing and God's cursing. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 2. Notice what it says. Honor your father and your mother. Honor them that it... Because this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well for you and that you might live a long life. Notice that it may go well with you. This is the first commandment with a promise. Next verse, verse 3, that it may go well with you. Life go well. Notice this, there's a promise. This is what God says. If you will adopt right attitudes to your parents, he said there's certain things that God absolutely promises and attaches to rightly relating to our parents. How about that? Now, why does God put a promise? Because he wants you to have an incentive to do what he's talking to you about. And here's what it is. He said, life will go well for you. Now, let me just share with you. I was talking with one guy. I got called into counsel one time. And uh, what happened was this. Uh, he was in conflict with one of the cell leaders in the church. So I went and talked with him and sat down, and, and we tried to work out what the conflict was about. And after we talked through over the issue of conflict, I said, well, you know, how did you get on when you are in another group? He said, I had conflict with that leader too. You know, he didn't treat me right. I said, oh, okay. I said, how's things going at work at the moment? He said, well, I'm just quitting my job there. I'm not getting on right with the boss. He said, okay, how'd you get on with the last job? He said, oh, I quit that too, same reason. He said, okay, did you ever have a good job where you enjoyed working? And, and yes, yeah, 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 I really loved it when I was in the army. And things were really good there. I really, it was a great time. You know, I'm sorry I really ever left the army. I said, how'd you get on with the officers? He said, not so good. They're always picking on me. I said, okay. How'd you get on at school then with the teachers? No, no, I dropped out of school, had conflicts at school. Okay. How'd you get on with your father? Oh, he's not my real father. He's my stepfather. And we fought in the end. He kicked me out of home. I said, do you see a pattern here? I said, I tell you, I'm going to give you, a, to give you a, a prophetic word right now. And this is the prophetic word. If you don't change this 
This problem is going to follow you everywhere you go, because wherever you go, this issue is going to be there. I said, the problem is not with the cell leader. It's not with, your, with the teacher. It's not with your boss. The problem is not with your stepfather. The problem is you are harboring bitterness against a father who adopted you out, rejected you, and you've never, ever resolved it. And you've projected it into every relationship in life where you have an authority figure, and you're in conflict with authorities all the time. I said, the next thing you'll want to start up in business on your own for the very reason you can't stand to work under anyone and have anyone telling you what to do. He, he, he looked, and he was quite shocked, really, about it all. I said, it's absolutely clear. The pattern's very, very clear. You can see it right through your life. And I said, it's, it's absolutely predicted. No matter where you put it, where you go in the world, these conflicts will continue. I said, you want to know some more? You're going to have conflicts with your kids. They're going to rise up and rebel again. You'll end up kicking them out of the home. He said, well, how can you say such things? I said, simple. It's the principle of God. Honor your parents. It'll go well with you. Dishonor them. Despise them. And it won't go well for you at all. You'll have conflicts in all your major meaningful relationships, and particularly in relationships with those in authority over your life. You have a conflict with your father, you don't resolve it, it'll come into your marriage, it'll come into your family, it'll come into your work. It's as simple as that. Jesus made it very clear, honor your parents that it might go well with you. There's a promise. Promise means God undertakes to do things on our behalf if we fulfill the condition. The condition is honor, the consequence is blessing. Things go well, things work out in your family relationships. Things work out in the relationships at work. Things work out because you've got the right, you have the attitudes needed to be able to live under authority in every area of life. Listen, the first people who represent God to your life are your parents. If you've got an issue with them, you've got an issue with God all through your life. That's why you find people have got, sometimes got issues with, with uh, authorities. They're in trouble with the police all the time. And the moment a policeman comes around, next thing you know, there's anger, aggro, hostile. Next thing, they're in trouble. You, know, you wonder why it's like that? Simple. They've got an issue in their heart with authority. And it's not the authority of the policeman or their father. It's actually coming under the authority of God. There's an issue in the heart. And the Bible promises two things. It says life will go well for you and you'll live long. That means you're not going to have untimely accidents or deaths. You're not going to have sickness that's brought about through conflict internally. You're going to actually find you'll have a great life, a blessed long life. This is a promise in the word of God. And all the deal is you've got to honor your parents. Well, what, well, what a deal that is. Honor your parents. This is a command, first command with a promise. It will go well with you. So if things are not going well with you, look and see if you're doing that one thing, honoring your parents. And if you're not, maybe they're not going well with you in your family relationships or work relationships or school relationships is because you've got an issue that's unresolved in your heart. Think about it. Think about it. See, see one of the basic conflicts of life is coming to address the issue of God's authority when we find it. In the first place we find it's in the home. If we end up walking out of home with unresolved conflict, we're in conflict all the rest of our life until it's brought to resolution. What's brought to resolution? The original conflict with parents. I have prayed now. Anyone in the, le in the leadership team here in the church who counsels people will tell you of all the areas you look for, one of the key ones is their relationship with parents. And if there's unresolved conflict, unresolved bitterness, you can absolutely guarantee that there's going to be a mess in the life. You can guarantee. I want to show you some of the things that come into your life if you don't understand this and get this one right. And uh, tonight we're going to give you an opportunity to just put things right. Because if you want to walk in blessing in your life, then you have to recognize that the people God first brought into your life, no matter how good appearance they were or whatever, no matter how, what kind of people they were, no matter whether they wanted you or not, nevertheless, the way you relate to them unleashes blessing or cursing in your life. Blessing means you have the favor of God. Things just tend to seem to work out right on the way. Cursing means it's like you've got an invisible... Well, best thing I could see it would be like this. Yeah, this morning we had that, that horizontal bungee. Now, the best way I could visualize cursing is like this. It's like having a horizontal bungee on your whole life. And you're just going to go, and you're really getting it. And just when you're about to reach that goal, back you go. I was, I was looking at the expression on people, people's faces as they, as they just, you know, ran. And you can see them, they're gone, they're gone, and there's this determination in the eyes, you know, and they're going there, and they get there, and then just, then suddenly the bungee kicks in. 
And the look on their face, as they fall over backwards and they're dragged right back up the other end. I thought it was priceless. I was thinking, flip, that's what a lot of people's life is like. They they reach out to go so far and then suddenly something kicks in and they pull back. And now they've got to pick themselves up again. You know what? They had to pick themselves up again and then go again. And after they'd done it a few times, they were getting huffed and puffed. And then they didn't have the same energy. And you notice that they couldn't go as far after a few times. You want to watch things and look for things in life. Some of you got horizontal bungees on your whole life. You pull back. Just when you're about to make it, you pull back. That's what a curse is like. Just when you're about to make it, you suddenly pull back. There's something like it's pulling on you that's pulling you back and you're not going to achieve what you wanted to achieve. So God has promised blessing. Now, I want you to show, show you a few things in Proverbs about what happens when we despise our parents. Now, to honor your parents means you treat them with value. You place value on their wisdom, their counsel, their advice, their help. Or at least you treat them with a respectful attitude. You have a great attitude to your parents, both father and mother. And now, I want to share with you a few verses. And the Bible talks about those who despise their parents shows the kind of cursing that comes on it. You think, ah, oh, cursing. Well, how bad can that be, you know? Okay, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 20. Proverbs 20 and verse 20. Now, you want to get into reading the Word of God. The Word of God, it's not hard to understand. Some parts are hard. Don't worry about those bits. Just go for the bits you can understand and put those to work in your life, and you'll be doing fine. You'll get to understand a heap more. Look at this one here. Whoever curses his father or mother, his lamp shall be put out, or his candle, talking about your inner life, the life of the Spirit. It shall be put in an obscure darkness. Now look at that one there. Who curses his father or mother? Now to curse someone is to speak badly about them. How about that? To curse someone is to speak badly about them, ridicule them, belittle them, say dishonoring words about them. To curse them, you speak words which despise, make little of. And the Bible says, whoever curses his father or mother, it says his lamp shall be put in obscure darkness. What does that mean? Well, the Bible's talking here in terms of spiritual terms. The lamp in the Bible is always referring about your inner life, the life of the spirit. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. So if your lamp is put in darkness, that means that you are enveloped in spiritual oppression and spiritual darkness. What does that mean? It means you have demonic activity around your life, and no matter how many times you get prayed for, you can't seem to get free. And you can't seem to stay free. And when you have demonic presence around your life, there's a heaviness, there's a despair, there's all kinds of issues and stuff start to happen. You wrestle with things in your life. You're in conflict. And what is the worst thing about darkness? Suppose we turn out all the lights right now. So we turn all the lights right now, and it's absolutely dark, no light anywhere, anywhere around here. And then we say, now we want you to go and find your way up to the office upstairs there. What will happen is, inevitable, you're going to run into something. And you won't even know what you've run into. Why? Because you can't see. And what happens is, when, when our lamp is in spiritual darkness, when, when we curse our parents, when we speak badly about them, what happens is we open the door and make an invitation to demons to cloak us with darkness. And then we can't see when we bump into things where we went wrong. We can't see. See, the right now, with the lights on, you can just walk straight down there without bumping a thing straight up, and you could go right up to my office. But if I said go to my office and every light is out here, you're going to bump into someone, you're going to bump into people, you're going to bump into something here, something there, and you wonder what you bumped into, and you... And where's the worst thing? You won't be able to stop yourself bumping into things because you're in darkness. Now, that's what the Bible describes. That's a terrible condition to be in. But there's a lot of people like that. I remember I was in teaching in school one time, and there's this, this girl. I won't say any more about her. But, uh, but anyway, I looked at, she had a terrible attitude, you know, and she was rebellious. She was resistant. She obviously had an attitude. She'd obviously been abused by, by someone in her family. She was, uh, had an attitude against men, an attitude against authority, and it reflected onto me. So I sat, stood at her one day and I said, you know something? I said, you're projecting onto me stuff I ain't never done. I've done the best I can to help you. I said, now I'm going to tell you about your future. You like to hear your future? And she kind of looked shocked that I would say so. The teacher would say so. Here's the future for you. Very soon you're going to drop out of school because you'll be pregnant. And you're going to have a miserable life. That's your future. I said, I can tell it because of the way you're running your life now. And unless you change, this is going to be your future. One year later, I saw her out of school pushing a pram down the road. Now listen, the thing is, she had the power to change. She could choose I said, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to show you 
that, that there's another way, and you could really make something of your life. You're gifted, you've got ability, you can really do something with your life, but what you've got to do is you've got to get rid of this anger and hostility and stuff, which is now interfering with your education so badly that you can't go forward. You wonder why a lot of kids drop out at school? It's nothing to do with education, it's to do with home. It's to do with the anger and the unresolved conflict in their heart. They're in spiritual darkness. They're in darkness. And if they're in darkness, they're messing their life up. And they can't even work out why. They can't get ahead. They just need to actually understand, break the laws of God. You bring something on your life, you just you don't even, can't even see, foresee the consequences of it. No one walks down that altar here to get married thinking it's going to mess up, but many do. And the reason is there's conflicts, and it goes right back into dishonoring parents. You've got to deal with this stuff. Here's, here's another one there. In Leviticus, uh, oh, while we're in Proverbs, stay there. Proverbs 28, 24. Proverbs 28 and verse 24. You can hunt through this for yourself. Okay, then. He that robs his father or mother and says it's not a, no big deal, you know, the same as the companion of a destroyer. He who robs his father or mother. Now, what that means is, I'll put it real simple, and then we'll develop it a little bit. It means literally stealing money from your mum or dad. You steal money from around the home. Stealing money from your parents. Or stealing from them what belongs to them. They, they, what belongs to them is to be honoured. When you steal from them, honour. You're robbing them. They have, you, they have a right to be honoured by you because they brought you into the world. They're the givers of life. And so when you steal from them, when you rob from them, when you take what belongs to them, uh, when you do that, then there's something that says you're a companion of a destroyer. Now, that word companion is a close friend of someone. Now, I can tell you this, whoever your close friends are going to direct the course of your life. And when the Bible's talking about destroyer, it's talking about a certain sort of demonic spirit that destroys lives. And it says, this is what it tells you very clearly, that when we steal and think nothing of it, when we steal from our family, parents, and think nothing of it, we open the doorway to become to have a familiar spirit that destroys everything that happens in our life. Think about that one. I mean, how else can you interpret it? You're a companion. You've got a companion. You've got a secret friend. You know what your friend is? It's called the destroyer, and he destroys your life because he's, your, he's, he's actually a demonic partner with you in life. You see, a lot of people's lives are ruined because they haven't realized they stole off their parents. They had a lifestyle of deceiving and stealing and dishonoring the parents and then wondered why it was that things went so badly. You see, any short-term apparent gain is overtaken in the long term by the fact demonic powers are released to work in their life. You become a partner of a familiar spirit. Here's another one, Proverbs 30 and verse 17. Proverbs 30 and verse 17. Here it is, Proverbs 13 and 17. This is a good one. The eye that mocks his father or, and despises to obey his mother said the birds or the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagle shall eat it. Now, that's a horrendous thing, isn't it, eh? Now, again, he's using spiritual language here, but the picture is very clear. The eye, the eye. Notice he doesn't use both eyes. He's just talking about one eye. So it's talking about an attitude. It's talking about an attitude. And so it says the eye that mocks his father and despises to obey his mother. Now, notice what the two things are. It mocks, it belittles, it makes fun of or despises dad. It's causing the old man thinks nothing about it. Despising or dishonoring father and, and despises his mother. It says the eye says the, the ravens of the valley. Now, when the Bible's talking about birds in the, in, in the Bible, it's always inevitably talking about demonic spirits. Now, this picture that is there, of course, it's one they were very familiar with when this was written, that what would happen is if someone fell in battle, and you've possibly seen movies of it, the birds of the air would come down and sit on the body, and the choice parts they would eat would be the eyes because they're the softest. They take them and feed them to their, their baby, the, the baby birds. Or if someone was a criminal and they put him up on a cross or tied him up outside, the birds would settle on them and then take their eyes out while they're still alive. Now, that's the picture. Now, why do they have such a graphic picture? I'm trying to say... Get a good attitude to your parents. It's got huge consequences in life. So what it's saying essentially is this. If we actually don't walk in God's principle of honoring our parents, our source where we've come from, then we open the doorway for demonic spirits to come and to take the vision of our life away and to totally blind us to the opportunities and the possibilities that are ahead for us. And if you're like that, you just live for the moment. Now you can't. These are powerful scriptures powerful scriptures now all of you here sitting out you know young people are just like that 
They've got no vision for their life. They've got, they've got things going wrong around them. Their money comes in and goes out. There's things happen around them. They know there's something's wrong in there. Listen, here's the answer. It's found in the Word of God. They're just basically not obeying the commandment of God, the fifth commandment. Very, very simple. Let me give you one more. I'll give you one more, and then we'll look at what you can do. Three, some, some commands that God gives us, and this blessing associated with these things. Probably, I want to pick up one, Leviticus 20, verse 9. Here it is, Leviticus 20 and verse 9. Now get this one. Everyone that curses his father or mother, curses, that speak evil of them, speak ill of them, despising them by their words, shall be put to death. For he has cursed his father and mother, and he's responsible for what happens. Now we think, man, the death penalty for cursing your parents. Boy, is that tough. It was tough, all right, because it was a serious thing. Why was it so serious? Why did they make it a capital punishment? Why did God make it a capital punishment next to murder and rape to have this bad attitude to your parents? Simply because the whole of society gets broken down when that kind of thing happens. If you don't actually have a pattern of honoring the, the previous generation, you break the power of legacy. You break the power of, 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 uh, of the transference of good things from one generation to another, and you cause the breakdown in society. Society's got to actually care for the previous generation and so into the next one. That's how society works. So we care for the previous ones. And what, the, what our society does, because it despises parents, and partly because it's mobile now, what it does is just abandons them. That's despising them. You can't abandon your parents in old age. You can't. You can't just turn away from them. That's to despise them. And then to speak and make fun of them is to curse them. Now, notice what it says here. Uh, They'll be put to death. Now, of course, today we say, well, I did that and nothing happened to me. No, 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 no. Legally, there is a death penalty associated with the process of dishonoring parents. What does that mean? It means legally, in the realm of the spirit, a spirit of death now can attach to you. And if a spirit of death attaches to you, what would you feel? Do you feel like dying? Oh, sometimes. Usually what you feel is you feel very lonely. You find you can't form relationships very easily. You find the relationship you have, you feel disconnected from people because something is around you stealing from you. Why is that happening? Because you've opened your life to it. You say, well, I want God to bless my marriage. I want... Now listen, you can't ask God to bless something and at the same time you're undoing it and legally giving ground for demons to come in and destroy what you're doing. A lot of young people, listen, a lot of young people, haven't you noticed that a lot of young people are suicidal? Where do you reckon that dead spirit comes from? Go back and have a check on their attitude to their parents, and you'll see it had a legal ground to get in there. See, it comes out of the family life. It comes out of breaking the laws of God. See, God is a holy God. You can't get away with stuff, you know. That's what the Bible says, don't be fooled, you know. Whatever, you can't fool God, you know. You know, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And so when we have a generation that are allowed to despise authority, despise the authority of their parents, and we have a government that conspires uh, to actually help this process, it's not surprising you have a generation rising up that actually struggle with authority, struggle with being told what to do, struggle with anyone leading them, and are demonized. That's why it happens. And you can say, it's no use praying, bring them in and say, let's get them delivered. What you need to do is say, you need to change your life. You need to get your life so it's lined up with God, so your life walks in the blessing of God. Because God has promised it will go well for you and you'll live long. It won't be cut short by accidents and suicides and other crazy stuff. Listen, we had a, I won't expose this one too much, but we had a situation with one of my children. And I found out that this particular child was uh, going in a vehicle with... Uh, someone who had a partial license. Now, we didn't realize they had a partial license for a while. And uh, then when we found out we had a partial license, now the day that you find out, you've got to act. That's what the Bible says. The day you hear it, you've got to do something. So the day I heard it, I said, this is it. You cannot go in that car again. The person is unlicensed to carry passengers. You're not allowed to go in that car. I'm telling you now, don't go in that car. If you go in the car, there will be troubles. Okay. So anyway, this particular child of mine decided they had a bit more wisdom than dad on this matter and went in the car. We had gone away for a day, we're out of the town, and what happened was we had a phone call. Your child is in hospital with burns. They were in a car that exploded. It was that car. It exploded. Caught fire, totally gutted, burnt to the ground. 
And fortunately, they were, they were able to get out of it. And one of the women in the church here, Janice, uh, had particularly been interceding at that time. God put it on Janice's heart just to pray for my family and particularly for this one at this time. And uh, as a result of that, tremendous miraculous deliverance took place. And although my child was in the car and the car was engulfed inside in flames, totally in flames, they came out with no marks at the end of the day, no, no need for any tra- uh, grafts or anything like that, no idea how they got out of the car, but the first person down the road was a nurse, immediately got them into the car, straight down to the hospital, and three weeks in hospital for despising something Dad said. I give you a lot of stories like that one, lots of stories like that one. You see, you see, these are principles of God. You want to walk in the blessing of God, align yourself with how God works to bring blessing. You can't just sort of come up on an altar call and say, well, I want God to bless all my life, but I want to run my life like I think I ought to. It doesn't work that way. The Bible says, honor your parents, father and mother. It will go well for you. And you'll have a long life. Amen? Yeah, I got you all thinking that, haven't we? Yeah, well, let's just give you a couple of things that brings, brings you into a place of blessing. And, and then I want to ask you a question. I want you just to... Uh, evaluate yourself on these areas. Now, I really felt to put this to young people tonight because you see the thing, it is Father's Day and I know some of you got issues with dads, but whatever your dad's been like or whatever, here's the end of the story. You're not responsible for him, you're responsible for you and you will position yourself for God's blessing or you'll cut yourself off from it. And there's no one in church can stop that happening. You do that for yourself. And I want to just challenge you to make some good decisions at the end. I want to share with you five commands that are, that, that are crucial for you to begin to operate in, in your own. Even if you just took one of them, it would be great. But if you took them all and put them into practice, you can guarantee your life, your family, your relationships are going to turn around. Not just in one area. You can expect they'll turn around right across the board in a process of time. You can expect that in the process of time, you'll find everything in your life will start to shift and become positive for you. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. I mean, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, then God's word isn't true. It will go well for you. It will go well for you. It will go well for you. Well financially, well physically, well relationally, well every area. It will go well for me. Say, why not? So let me just give them to you quickly now. Let's pick it up in Colossians 3. I want to give you five commands. You can work out how to make these work in your life. I don't have to spell these out because they're actually really simple ones. Here we go. Now, you may not like them. I don't care whether you like them or not. They work. And it's in the Word of God. So get your Bible out and get this out. So in the first one, I want you to pick it up in Colossians 3 and verse 20. Okay, look at this one here. Children, that's young people. Obey your parents only when you feel like it. Now, I don't say that, does it? Okay, come on, here it is. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to God. There's only two things the Bible says that are really pleasing to Him. One is faith, and the other is if you obey your parents. It's well-pleasing to it. Better than pleasing, it's well-pleasing. Why? Because it takes an act of faith to do it sometimes. Because you, you feel in your heart, man, they got it all wrong. I don't really want to do that. Listen, I tell you now, just get the attitude in your heart that if my parents give directions to me, then I will obey them. I'll say yes. And if there's something they're telling you to do, which is contrary to the word of God, then you pray, you go to them and appeal. And say, I don't really can't do this. Make an alternative. Make some other suggestions. Always look for another way around it, negotiate a little bit, but have a heart that's willing to obey. Why is it willing to obey? Because you don't know the day that your dad or your mum says something to you and says, I don't want you to do that. I want you to go to that place. I want you to go to that thing there or that thing there. You don't know if that isn't God trying to warn you there's something really bad is waiting for you down there. Don't argue about it. Don't try to reason it out. Just respond. And you'll save yourself from a lot of unnecessary hurt. It's absolutely true. I can't can't think of the number of times I've said, don't do this or don't go there, don't do that. And those that went there really got into trouble. There's someone here tonight. We told them not to go to a certain place. And it cost them about eight to $10,000 to go there. And I wasn't the only one that said, don't go. So I know at least two other people said, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. And the result of going was about $10,000 that the person's had to pay off over the last few years. Would have been cheap just to listen and say, oh, I'll do what you say. That's a real, real expensive lesson. Is that right? Was that an expensive lesson? Of course, all experience in life is expensive. 
and some's more expensive than others. But this one here, I'm giving you it real cheap tonight. You just got to listen and put into action. Number one, there it is. Obey your, par- obey your parents in all things. So in case you had to work out what you should obey and what you shouldn't obey, this is all things. It's pretty easy to work out, isn't it? Eh? And, and look in Ephesians chapter uh, 6 and verse 1. Ephesians 6 verse 1. Same thing. Here it is. The same one again. I'm just going to just in case you didn't get it right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. But this is right before God. This is a right thing to do. You obey your parents. So of course, as you become a teenager, you learn to negotiate a little bit. And sometimes parents forget you're growing up, and they still think you're a little kid and try and treat you like a little kid. But you've got to talk your way through that. But keep a heart that's right. Keep an attitude that's right. If you're a parent, don't, your kids don't stay kids forever, you know. They grow up, and they've got to learn to be responsible. And you've got to negotiate freedoms, and you've got to no- negotiate with them and work through what's appropriate freedom for the appropriate stage of life. At the end, they walk out, and they've got to be responsible for all their life. So you can't just treat them like a little kid or you won't prepare them for life. So, so, but anyway, but here we are. We're talking to the young people today. Young people, obey your parents. Get a good attitude of obedience. Yes, yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. Yes, I will. Yes. Man, we have a whole lot of homes and a lot of lives different. Said, yes. I said, nah, yeah, what I have to. Listen, that's not going to help life. You're going to get into trouble if you do that. I can tell you now. Okay, here's the second one. It's found in the next verse. Second one, so number one, obey. Second one, honor, honor. Now, obey is just you follow directives you, from, with a good heart, a good attitude. And uh, yeah, let me tell you something. If you don't want to do something, how to, get, how to get over the feelings you have. How many have had to do something you didn't want to do? Do you know how I, can, I found a way to get over the horrible negative feelings you get about it? How many know when you ask to do something you don't want to do, you drag your feet, you're slow to do it, you do it reluctantly, about 80% of it, and you feel bad afterwards, and, and you're just grumpy afterwards, and no, one, no one's happy. Is that right? That's right. Ask, ask a teenager, clean up their room, see what happens on that one, you know? Yes, I found the, I found the secret of it. After years of pastoring with people putting demands on me for various kinds, I found it. It's either yes or no. Yes, I'll do it, or no, I won't. If it's no, I won't, there's no guilt. I made a choice. But in this case here, if it's yes, I will, then here's the secret. You just do the job and put a little bit more, about another 10% into it. And it's going the second mile. Putting the extra 10 in is where you're empowered out of being resentful because you're never asked to do that, but you went just a little further. And now you're broken out of having to do it, and you're doing, and that little bit you did extra yourself changes all of it. See, most of us, well, we're going to do about 70-80% and do it reluctantly with a bad attitude and it'll be a mess. There's an atmosphere you can feel. If you say, listen, I'm going to do it, now what you know, of course you don't want to do it, then the only way to beat that is this. Just put an extra 10% into it. Do a little more than you were asked and in that little more you were asked, you change it all. See? It's very simple. That was an easy one. That's a great. Man, you're getting so much lessons for life here. Man, this could change you completely. Hey? No more depressions. No more downs. Nothing like that. You'll be excited, enthusiastic. Well, here's the next one. Honor your parents. It'll make go well with you. Honor means to make room for them in your heart and in your life. Affirm them. Speak that value to them. Welcome them into your life. Don't sort of get an attitude. I was amazed with uh, one of our teenagers that was uh, going to Havelock High School that the attitude of the Havelock High School teenagers to their parents was actually one of despising. And the whole group that she seemed to be in with was just into despising parents. In other words, the parents were never involved in anything kids were doing. So in the end, we gave an ultimatum, change this whole deal, or we take you out of the school. So anyway, she didn't think we'd do that, but we did it. So three days before the end of term, we made an announcement, say goodbye to your world as you know it. It's all over. You can't be serious. Yes, I'm serious. We've already enrolled you somewhere else. No! My whole life! You've ruined me! We went through all of that. I said to Joy, three months and it'll all be over. Just three months and then we'll be over it. So, so anyway, there it was. Sure enough, had to say goodbye and the next term started another school. Well, we thought she'd start another school, but she actually wagged the first day and hopped onto a bus and went back out to the old school. But the, the new school, being more diligent, rang up and said, where is she? tracked her down. We found out that the other school, the Havelock one, had no idea there was an extra student there for the day. Just as we'd found, they had no idea when they're not there sometimes. And uh, because we rang them up one day and uh, was our daughter present today? Yes, she was present. Said, no, she wasn't. Wrong! She was in a car with another four other girls up the hill. 
so, you know, so anyway, we had a change. So anyway, I had tears. She ruined my life. But here's an interesting thing. She found that when she went to this other school, all the parents were involved with the kids, and that was normal. Normal for the young people to be connected to their parents and to have them involved in what they were doing socially. The other school, it was the norm not to. See? And I knew that was wrong. That's why we cancelled it. You understand, that's despising parents. That's what goes on at Havelock. It looks wonderful out there, but there's a lot of stuff like that goes on. And we were, what, what surprised us were the number of parents that seemed to have no power to do anything about it. Whereas I'd much rather, I think in the end of the day, we're far more confrontational than that. We just went and had a few run-ins with a few people. And why not? Kids' lives are at stake. Their future's at stake. You need to go and have some run-ins sometime. You need to go and stand up and say, well, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. So we gave them a period of time, says, and we rang up. We still, still they hadn't got this whole thing of recording when the kids are at school. I said, I've trusted my kids to you, and you can't tell me whether it's school. It's not good enough. Not good enough. Now you've got to, man, you've got to, you've got to deal with this stuff. Anyway, one, the point of this was uh, my daughter found out and, uh, that, and it changed her completely, that the new group of friends she was with honored their parents and had their parents involved with what they were doing socially. In fact, they interconnected so well, we were deeply impressed by the change. And it brought a change in her as well. See, peer group has a huge influence. And if they start to despise their parents, this is a generation that walks in cursing. You better believe it. And we noticed that among these young ones over there, the, the problems with drugs, the problems with premarital sex, the problems with alcoholism, power, you know, the power drinking, power chucking, and, uh, and accidents were amazingly high in that situation where there was a despising of parents because they broke free of restraint, which was the core part of it, just a lawlessness. Okay, here's the first one, obey your parents. Second, honor your parents. Third one, receive correction. Receive correction. Oh, no one likes that. You know, one of the biggest difficulties in churches everywhere in New Zealand is people, you can't tell people off. Tell people off, they get offended and sulky like little kids. But you know what the Bible says? Now, you're not going to like this. I'm just going to say it the way the Bible says it. The Bible says it, if you won't let God correct you, you're a bastard. That's what the Bible says. My, you may have a sanitized version. Mine's a bit more blunt. It's the King James Version, Hebrews chapter 12. It just says it like it is. Just calls it like it is. And if you are that, you're under a cursing. Because the Bible says in, De- in Deuteronomy 23, the bastard is under a curse. And the curses, they're not accepted. They're rejected. If you can't let someone speak into your life, you'll suffer rejection all your life. And the Bible says... Because the Father loves us, he brings correction to us. And even though it's painful, it brings a good outcome in your life. Anyone who's had a spanking when you're young know that it had a good attitude change afterwards. Is that right? Anna told me so. She said it always brought a good change in her attitude. So I thought, well, we should keep it up, I guess. <laughs> no, it's a good attitude change. I noticed in all that kids, they had a good attitude change. Yeah, in spite of what Helen Clark says about it all. Good attitude change, immediate attitude change. But, of course, there's a lot of other ways you correct people, and primarily it's through the actual confrontation of something wrong in the attitude. So when children are young, they need to be confronted in their behaviors. As they get older, it's the attitudes and develop for life. But listen, if you can't let anyone speak into your life, you are out of control. You're out on your own, boy. You are. You need, everyone needs someone to speak into their life. Everyone. The Bible says that a natural father will speak into our life and correct us and discipline us so we might become fruitful and productive and, and, and good people. God, our father, will also do the same thing. How does he do it? Oh, through your parents. Don't wait for a voice to thunder out of heaven. Just mumble shout at you. That'll be enough. <laughs> and if you can just get over your bad attitude, you know, God is trying to tell you something. Come on. Come on. Come on, just be open to be corrected. Be open to be corrected so you can grow and develop and get blessed. Don't think mum's nagging on. Mums do talk and they have a lot to say and they, they seem to zero in on details and, and seem to pursue the details in a way it's very distressing. It is. It is. They've got a way of zoning in. If you've got any incorrections in your story, they'll zone in on it immediately. Have you noticed? A mother can do it. Often dads don't do that, but a mother will always do it. 
like a flippin' terminator. <laughs> Straight down the line. <laughs> you know, but be open to be corrected. If you got it wrong and you're doing wrong, just own up and get, get correction, get changed. Because the Bible tells us that if we won't be corrected, we walk out of the way of life. And a lot of problems come in our life. Here's the last couple. In Proverbs 4, verses 1 to 4, receive instruction. In other words, let, let your parents talk into you about life. And if they won't do it, ask them to. And if they don't, there'll be someone who will. But receive. Be open to let someone give direction for your life. We need people to speak into us who know us and love us. Listen, let me tell you this. Your parents are the one people in life who have no agenda but your very best. So they're the ones you should listen to. You should let them talk and you say, oh, my dad's not saved. Listen, even an unsaved dad, God will give him some smarts. He may not come up with your religious language, but he'll have some common sense about what he feels intuitively is right for you. Well, listen to it. Listen to it. It'll do you good. And then the last one is be thankful. In Psalm 69 and verse 30, it says, I'll magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. In other words, when we're grateful, what happens is we actually increase the value of our relationships. We make the people that we're thanking and appreciating actually far more valuable. One of the biggest, I don't know, I mean, I just, sometimes I just got to take my hat off if I have one off to a woman who can do so much with so little gratitude and appreciation. Anyone, any dad who's been left at home, and I recommend this, that you actually get left at home with the kids for a good weekend, and then you realize what you have to do. Most dads barely survive. You know, they survive on bought food and everything else, and there's still a pile of washing to be done on Monday. Listen, you need to recognize just what your mothers do, what fathers do, and thank them. Ingratitude is always associated with relationships going down the hill. Listen, those are simple things we can do. I want you just to think right now. What's my attitude like to obedience? What's my attitude like in the area of honor? What's it like in the area of being corrected? What's it like in the area of receiving and being open to being taught some things? And am I grateful and appreciative? Why don't we just close our eyes right now, bow our heads. These are things you can make a change in. You want to position yourself for blessing. Now, perhaps there's some of you here tonight and you're saying, well, my dad's gone long ago and my mum's gone long ago. Well, then some of those ones won't apply. The obeying them won't apply anymore. Uh, no, that won't apply. Honoring them has to do with your heart attitude, and you may need to actually deal with issues in your life on that one. You may need to actually work that one through. Say, Lord, I need to really repent because all my life I've dishonored them. Maybe the area of receiving correction, maybe they're dead. Well, of course, that won't apply then, and, and receiving instruction. So those things won't apply, but the heart attitude will. Because you still, even if your parents are dead, carry on what's in your heart goes into the rest of your life. So you need to come to, re to peace with this issue. You've got to actually face each relationship with father and with mother and whatever's in your heart, whether there's anger, whether there's disappointment, where somehow you felt whatever, and, it's, and you've justified your despising and dishonoring them because of perceived lacks they had or real lacks. And you've got to repent of that and say, God, I want to change my heart attitude. I want to actually really deal with this thing tonight. I want to put it right. Young people, and this is primarily for you tonight, I don't want you to be part of the generation I see around. I want you to be an answer to it. We want you to be a different generation. If you copy the way they carry on, you're going to be the same as them. You're not the answer. You're part of the problem still. You've got to make some decisions. See, we saw this thing about superheroes, but I talked to you about the fact if you're going to be a superhero, make a difference and challenge a generation or do something great. It takes place, first of all, in the heart with simple decisions. And I, I, you know, as I sat down before the meeting tonight, I felt God put this whole message on my heart. I said, God, what am I going to talk about to people tonight? He spoke to me. I want you to talk about relationship with parents, the consequences when you violate these simple commands of God's word. And don't honor your father and honor your mother. Now, there's not one of you sitting here now that doesn't know people whose lives are in a total mess. They've got demonic powers around them that are destroying them. They've got spirits of death around them and they're lonely and empty and rejected and struggling with all kinds of things. You know they have vision. There's no vision that's living for the moment. And if you just look at those scriptures, read them again after tonight, you realize, man, that's my friends are like that. Now you've got the answer why it's like that. They're out of touch with God and the ways of God and they need to get it right. Sometimes people have got to weep and get their anger and disappointment out. They've got some bad stuff at home. But that's no excuse for, for making bad choices. And there's some of you here tonight, there's many of you here tonight, and you need to repent. 
It's no use coming up in an altar call and wasting hours of people praying for you or hours of youth leaders running around you, counseling you. If you just won't do what God says to do, you're responsible for your choices. You're old enough to make good decisions now. It's part of growing up. Be responsible for your decisions. Choices have outcomes. This is where I want you to, I want you to decide tonight. And some of you know who I'm talking to. And you know there's, there's, there's issues you have with a mother or a father. And you've got problems in your life directly as a result of it. You need to repent. I want you to come up tonight and say, God, you've convicted me. God, you got me tonight. I want to be different. I want to walk in blessing. I want to have a great blessed life. But I realize I'm just doing all the wrong things to get there. And Lord, tonight, I'm coming up tonight. See, which one of those things do you need to get to sort out? Obedience? With a good attitude? Honoring? Speaking well? Gratitude? Appreciating? Being open to respond to correction without a bad attitude? Asking for advice and instruction and guidance in your life and your choices? Maybe all five. If that's you, why don't you get up out of your seat and come up to the front right now. Just kneel and just repent before the Lord and say, God, tonight I really want to do something about my life. Lord, you're speaking to me and you're showing me the things I need to put right. You can tell very easily, very quickly. See, Jesus said, God wants us to be able to call him Father. If every time you say the word Father, there's anger and confusion and hurt rises up, you need tonight to come up and get that sorted out. Come on. Come now. Come now. Young people need to come. Come now. Come now. Tonight, you had a word to correct you from God. You had a word to speak in and confront issues in your life. Don't, don't say no. Don't say no. Position yourself for God's very best to come. Make a decision. God, I want to get my heart and my life right. I want to repent. Maybe not just youth, that maybe older people here and you look at the patterns in your life and in your family and you realize it's just a lot of repetition of the same thing, unresolved issues. Let's begin to talk to the Lord now. And I know some of you have got some very painful and very difficult situations at home. I'm not, I'm not unaware of that. But I'm trying to give you words of life. No matter where you come from or what you've been through, Walk in the ways of God and you become part of the answer. Don't stay a victim. Don't stay a victim. Decide no matter what mum or dad do, I'm going to forgive and release and bless. No matter what mum or dad do, I'm going to honor them. That's my choice. And they can't stop me doing that. No matter what mum and dad say or do, I'm going to respond to what they say to me. See, it's a choice. When you make choices like that, something happens in your heart. Your life and your relationships slowly but steadily begin to change. Because we need the Lord to help us, but he will help you. Do you know this? That Jesus at the age of 12 went down to, to, to uh, the city of Jerusalem with his family, his parents. And he knew at the age of 12 he should be staying there in the temple and learning the ways of the temple because he was called to be a minister of the Word of God. So he stayed there. His parents went about three days, and they realized he was gone. And they were really upset because he'd run away, they thought, and they come back, and they didn't understand him at all. And They commanded him to come back with them. And The Bible says he, he was subject to them. He submitted to them, even though they got it wrong, even though they didn't understand the call in his life. He submitted to them. You find it in Luke 2.52, I think it is. And it says, and he grew in wisdom and in stature and he grew in favor with God and with man he grew in favor life became blessed Father I just thank you I just thank you for young people Lord tonight becoming part of the answer Lord I'm asking that you would touch them tonight just while you're on your knees just you know the issues you need to talk to God just talk to him about them now Lord forgive me I've just been so angry. Oh, forgive me. I've been so disappointed. I've just held unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart. Lord, tonight I want to, I just repent of it. I want to put it right. Some of you may need to go to a parent. 
I, need, I remember having to go to a boss one time when God convicted me of this issue of authority. So I just have been resistant to things you really rightfully wanted of me. Please forgive me. I was wrong. I had a wrong attitude. God's convicted me and shown me. I remember the boss's eyes were wide open. I was promoted within two years. Amazing, see? Your honor goes well with you. I committed myself to do all I could to assist him in what he wanted to do. And then God blessed me and promoted me. Life goes well when you get this principle. Honor. Honor your father and mother. That's what we're going to do now, just in a moment. I'm going to get you to stand up. I'm going to get some of the leaders to come up. We'll just lay hands on you. We want to speak over your life blessings. Speak words of love and words of encouragement into your life. We don't understand or know all you've gone through or all you face. Some of you have had a father that's abandoned you. The deep grief and terrible tragedy that that is. But don't let it be the, the mark. Don't let it be the thing that shapes your life. Don't let someone else's goofy behavior shape your life. You choose how you're going to be. Some of you, fathers and mothers or one or the other, may be in bondage of some kind and they can't talk, can't communicate, can't relate. But you're not limited by that. You can, so start. Don't live, out of, don't live life from a reaction. Live it by inspiration from the Word of God. Why don't we all just stand right now? I'd like us all to just stand. Like some of the leaders, youth leaders, if you're not up here in the altar call or other leaders that are in the church to come and be fathers or mothers here to just come. We're going to lay hands on these young people and believe God's blessing to flow over their life, the healing to come. Amen. It's a great presence of God. If you've got to go, please feel free to go. It's finished with the service now. But this is, I just felt God put this message on my heart, so I don't want to take away from the atmosphere of what's here.